0: The Paul Leslie Hour. Helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. You're tuned into the Paul Leslie Hour. This is episode number three of the podcast. And we are joined by two guests. They're creative partners. Their names are Delaney Buffett and Katie Corwin. And they create this ...web comedy series called City of Angles. You can find it on Vimeo.com and on YouTube. And you should check them out. I think you'll find them very entertaining. They're very clever in the way they're done. The dialogue is great. Just to tell you a little bit about these guests... Delaney Buffett and Katie Corwin. They're two young women filmmakers. They're involved in a number of things... ...in addition to this City of Angles web comedy series... They are documentary filmmakers. They have a short documentary called The Spring, and it's about a roadside tourist attraction in Florida that features real-life mermaids, or at least actors portraying mermaids. You know what I mean. Anyway, The Spring had its world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival this year. They have a couple of other documentary shorts coming up, Buried Treasure, which is a music documentary, and The Door, which is about New York City club bouncers. This is a kind of different interview from what I normally do. Normally I interview people one-on-one, and in this case I interviewed them both simultaneously. It's entertaining, it's funny, it got me thinking, and most of all, I hope you enjoy it. So here's Delaney Buffett and Katie Corwin of Coffin Watson Pictures. Certain directors are drawn to certain actors, and vice versa. I want you to think about Brad Pitt and David Fincher, Scarlett Johansson and Woody Allen, Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, Alfred Hitchcock and Cary Grant. We can't forget Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese. Well, our special guests, Katie Corwin and Delaney Buffett, they certainly fit that model. They are the masterminds behind Coffin Watson pictures. It's a great pleasure to have you all with us.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us on.
0: It's my pleasure. So how are you all today?
1: Doing pretty well. Happy to be in New York. Yeah, we both, I just got back from Los Angeles and so I'm very, very happy to be in New York.
0: <laughs> okay. I think what everyone is wondering is, how did you all meet each other?
2: Uh, um, Well, this is Katie, (laughs) and we met um, a really long time ago, actually. We met in fifth grade. Yeah. We met in fifth grade, and I don't even really remember. I think we were science partners and ended up, we both were the only ones in the grade who watched the movie Tommy Boy. With Chris Farley <laughs> and David Spade. And I think we bonded over that. And then we're kind of best friends since that. So that was how many years ago? 15 like years 15 ago. 15 years ago, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what is it about your friendship? What What is it about you all that you think makes you such good friends?
1: Uh, this is Delaney. I think we, you know, while we share a lot of similarities, we're both incredibly anxious people. Um, so we could sit around and feed off of each other for hours, (laughs) making each other more nervous. But I think at the same time we have a very unique and great way of calming each other down. And so we know each other so well that it's easy for us. Like I know exactly what she's going to do sometimes or I'm going to do it. We can anticipate it and try to help before the problem even, you know, comes about. And I think with our writing too, like We compliment each other well because Katie is fantastic and very quick with with punchlines and jokes, which that is not my strong suit. (laughs) Um, But we're also not afraid because we've known each other so long to be like, that's not very funny.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And in the same way, Delaney has an incredible uh, ability to, like she was saying, like anticipate what people would do or kind of get the human aspect of something and make something really realistic and really, like, connect to how something would happen where it's not my strong suit at all. And so (laughs) when we're writing together, I'll say something that's just, like, so off the wall. And she'll say, well, you know, while I like that idea, uh, I don't necessarily think that's, you know, what would happen right here. And she kind of sticks back to make it more realistic and kind of more authentic.
0: Hmm. Now, you mentioned a little while ago Tommy Boy. What are some of your other shared loves of movies, of anything really?
2: Um, I think we both watch Goodwill Hunting. A lot. Yeah, maybe once a month. (laughs) And then forgetting Sarah Marshall, like, when we're not watching Goodwill Hunting. I watch that, like, really twice a week. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we love both of those. But for TV shows, I mean, there's all the classics, like, um, Seinfeld for comedies, and then anything those actors have done. So Weep and, you know, it keeps going on. Comedians in Cars, classic movies for me. Like, I really love all of the Mel Brooks movies. Uh, Nora Ephron for, like, romantic comedies. Um, and then Delaney's really good at finding new, like, I guess dramas. I feel like you're really good at finding dramas that end up being really popular.
1: I, I guess, but I also, I don't have the greatest, I love, no, no. I love. The reason I love movies is like definitely as a form of escape. So I'm super drawn to sometimes the not. not she the watches movies. the
2: worst, the worst movies.
1: And I know they're not good, but I just can't help watching them because they're such a mindless activity for me. And like, I don't watch reality television. I'm gonna throw Katie under the bus and say she does.
2: <laughs> it, it's uh, it's an examination in psychology, and I think it's important. But yeah, I think. For, for what we really like, I like all the classic comedies, like yeah. SNL comedies, Mel Brooks comedies, like we said. But then after that, I think we actually have pretty different taste.
0: Okay. Now, for both of you, who is your favorite, just maybe a couple of your favorite actors? Wow. Favorite?
2: Yeah. Um, this is Katie. My favorite actors, I would say, I always say Tom Hanks is my favorite actor, but complemented with Kevin Spacey, because I weirdly feel like they, I feel like they go together. One's like the good version, and one's like the evil version. I don't, like an evil American dad, and then the happy American dad. And I've always felt the way. I love them. Um, and then my favorite actress is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Always has been. Probably always will be. <laughs> I really think she's amazing. A comedic actress, obviously. Delaney, what about you?
1: I love Julia I love Julianne Moore. Yeah. She's one of my favorite actresses. I love her and just like the small role she does. I loved her in like the kids are all right. And then specifically, I thought she did a great job on 30 Rock, (laughs) which is an underrated performance for her um, when she plays Jack Donaghy's love interest. I love her. I think she's great. And I think she's an incredible
2: actress in any serious role. Blonde actress you really like who has like kind of a weird voice and she's in this. Oh, I love her.
1: Um, Her name is that's. But yeah, she for a comedic actress I do really like her. And she's a very obscure name. I'm trying to think of it right now. Oh, Ari Grainer. Yeah. He who's another actress I really like who's in a bunch of comedies with like she's in The Sitter with Jonah Hill. And then she's in this movie Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist with Michael Sarah. So I like her as well. And then for actors, I really like Brian Cranston a lot.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um,
1: and I love his story specifically. Someone, yeah, I haven't cool. read the book, but someone was telling me the other day a lot of facts about him that I didn't know. And I think he's just a really interesting character and guy. And I think someone told me he studied criminology, which is what I studied in college, which makes me think that I'm not alone in the world in choosing that maybe mistake <laughs> of a major because um, he too went into something creative. So I think, yeah, Brian Cranston and Julianne Moore would be my top. And then Ari Grainer is a great comedic actress.
0: Those so are good. And what about maybe a couple of the directors that you're in awe of?
1: I think Denis Villeneuve is incredible, and I have not seen Blade Runner, but I've loved Prisoners, and I love Sicario, Mm -hmm. and I think right now he's definitely, and I know that's, with Blade Runner out, that's an obvious answer, but I've always sort of thought that he's great, um, just visually and how he tells the stories. He's definitely one of
2: my favorites out there.
1: And then in terms of, do you want to
2: give one for it? I I mean, I already said it. I've always loved, there's such cop-out answers, but Nora (laughs) Ephron and Mel Brooks, like I could watch those movies like every single day and not get sick of them. And then Nancy Myers, who I guess is more like Nora Ephron, but just like, the complete control of the aesthetic and the story, and you know everything about it. Like, these just such a specific style. I'm always, I always have so much respect for them because there's so many ways they could mess up, and they just don't.
1: Yeah, very, very true. Um, think of other ones. Always a, a tough question that should be obvious for me. Um, <laughs> there's so many good ones. I think, like in terms of. You know, obviously, I think like in terms of female directors, I think Catherine Bigelow is incredible. And then um, I, too, like Nancy Meyers' movies. That's another thing where it's like I could watch that movie and pretend I was living in that house and be happy forever. Um, <laughs> so and I think stylistically, she does such a good job. And, and, you know, it's something that I, too, could watch every day. And then, you know, I think Patty Jenkins, too. So I really, really like Wonder Woman. Would be another female director that I really respect and admire. Um, and she, I guess, did a lot of television before Wonder Woman. And then she also did Monster, which I really, really liked. Because I'm a huge fan of serial killers. And that is what <laughs> I'm it
2: like that.
1: Really, really and so I love that story. Um,
2: so yeah.
0: So, how did you all get involved in filmmaking together? What gave you the idea, let's make stuff?
2: I don't know. I feel
1: like, I think we, so, this is Delaney. I didn't go to film school, and so I was PAing on sets for a little bit, and I sort of decided that I wanted to, personally, I wanted to make stuff, and Katie was acting in New York, and I know that, like, she's such a talented writer as well. And it was great because what we did was kind of, we just got together and we're like, should we do, try to make a web series or yeah. something? Like you want to direct and produce, I want to act and write. Like we could just try to make it and see if it sticks and if we like working together. Um, So it just kind of was timing. We were both sort of like at the point where we w- wanted to make something of our own and do something of our own and learn how to make things.
2: Yeah. I think that was also a big part of it was just wanting to learn. I mean, obviously, whenever you're on set, you learn something. You know, there's so much going on. You, you, It's, like, impossible not to learn something new every time you're there. But I think we both wanted to expand on what we already knew we liked to do. And so I knew I liked writing. Delaney knew she liked directing. But obviously, we had, were just starting out when we got together and started making things and are still growing now. We wanted to get together and have the ability to fill more roles so we could actually learn, whereas if you're joining someone else's project, you know, you can only really do the role they give you because yeah. you're not in control. But if it is your own project, you can pretty much handle whatever you want to, you know, if you don't want to delegate somewhere else. Um, so I think we are really excited to have all the responsibility
0: be on our shoulders. Well, that brings us to the City of Angles. Mm-hmm. This is pretty much how I uh, I got the idea to interview you all. And all the listeners can check this out. It's at Vimeo.com slash city of angles. It's also on YouTube and they're really, really clever. They're, they're funny. I was showing the, the episode one this morning to my wife and she got a big chuckle. And she, <laughs> yeah. and she said, in some ways it's, which to, uh, everyone can check out episode one and they'll kind of understand. She said, it's funny, but it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's all
2: sad.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what inspired this idea behind City of Angles?
1: Um, Delaney talking. So I had been working as an assistant and a production assistant in Los Angeles, and I sort of never lived in Los Angeles before, and things kept happening that were stranger than fiction while I was living there, (laughs) and I realized that it wasn't like a coincidental thing. It was sort of a pattern. And so I kept calling Katie and being like, you have not will not believe what this person said or you will not believe what this person did. And I was like, we should do like little sketches about these. Like they're too ridiculous not to sort of write about. And so Katie from like the acting side of things also had funny stories about auditions and like people she had met. So like our combined sort of like small like experiences in Hollywood thus far and in Los Angeles sort of is what motivated us um, to sort of focus on that as the setting. But I think even more than that, like we're both very anxious and awkward people at heart. And I think like we wanted to create a character, not necessarily like someone living in Los Angeles, but a character just in general that could be in that setting, but that could be relatable to everyone. Yeah, You know, like everyone – not everyone works in the entertainment industry and like meets producers at a coffee shop but like people all of the time in any work setting are meeting people who are you know like speaking with with such conviction and you kind of doubt yourself that you're doing the right
2: thing you yeah. know and it's like i mean any industry you can go and someone's trying to like big bore you yeah. or you know act really smooth and usually it would be to your benefit to either match that or, you know, act really confident, but not everyone can. I mean, Delaney and I can't, you know, we get pretty (laughs) awkward with like self promotion or like any of those things. And for the most part, we're pretty, um, not naive, but like earnest, you know, like we kind of think what we're seeing is what we're getting and that's generally not the case, especially, especially not entertainment. Yeah. So we wanted to have a character who just went there, you know, like, Heart open, hands open, like ready to embrace this new city and then finds out, you know, everyone is kind of not lying, but like stretching the truth so much that she's just like keeps getting the wool pulled over her eyes, which happens to her in entertainment, but happens, I mean, no matter
0: where you work. (laughs) So how many of the the themes, the things that happen in the city of Angles are true or were true?
1: All pretty much all of yeah. them. I mean, obviously <laughs> they're taking some creative liberty with characters, but I mean like, it's great because like on the first one episode one and three, our really good friend plays the male character in it and sort of, he's experienced certain things with us. So he's written a little bit with us and he kind of like, we all tie our experiences in and we all exaggerate as storytellers, but they're pretty much at the core of, of the episodes, absolutely something yeah. that's based on a true event.
2: I mean, what usually happens is we'll come <laughs> back to one another and be like, you would not believe what just happened to me. And then, you know, between like fits of laughter, we're explaining what just happened. And then we were like, well, imagine if this ha- had happened or if this had happened or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have an idea for a new episode or something that we want to try doing. So um, while we have We've changed, obviously, a little bit of it. Like, the core of each episode's happened yeah. <laughs> to either Delaney or to me.
0: Well, in that first episode that we were talking about earlier, find a mentor. Uh, the viewers, they meet this guy in a coffee shop, and he's got the sunglasses on, and he's tapping away at his laptop, and he's really super, super overly confident. How do you think, what do you think is the best way to handle somebody like that, who's kind of arrogant,
1: uh, this is you talking. I think it's sort of like, in my experience, I just try to take it with a grain of salt and try to not, you know, instill too much faith in them any more than that's already been instilled in them. But I mean, I don't, I never want to cut anyone down because I don't think that's an effective way to do things. But I think, you know, like like Katie was saying, you don't have to always meet someone on their level. I think there's a way to speak to someone with that sort of confidence, like, and kind of treat the conversation lightly, because I think when someone's that confident, overly confident, there's a little bit of insecurity kind of peeking through. So I think in a way just to sort of have treated them normally in any conversation you would with a normally confident person, because like tearing them down would only make them, you know, even more spiteful and, you know, no need to pump them up. They do that to themselves every day.
2: (laughs) In that same vein, I mean, you can't tell crazy, it's crazy. So like, even if you were to call them out on something that you knew wasn't true, there's really no benefit there because with that personality type, I really don't see them being like, Oh, you got me. You know, I actually work at this restaurant, you know, something (laughs) like that. So I feel like, yeah, like Delaney said, just with all, all these interactions, I feel like we always try to be polite and pleasant and kind of, Um, not get too involved, and then just laugh between ourselves later. (laughs) That's kind of how we do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Do you find that Hollywood cliches are typically true?
1: It's a hard question.
2: (laughs) 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 That is a doozy. I, yeah. I, I would say, I would say, oh, it's so depressing. I would this is Katie. I would say, <laughs> actually, no, this is Katie. Really, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, this is Katie. I would, on record. <laughs> I would say, for the most part, yes, you know, in the way where those, like, funny personality types you hear about, like, you definitely meet them if you're out at dinner or you're out at a bar but there are, it's a normal city. There are good people there as well. You know, it might take a little more digging there than if you were in like Duluth, but there's still some nice people there. So I, I would say yes, but it's not like completely hopeless.
1: Yeah, this is like, I've worked for like the most incredible people. And then I've worked for some not incredible people. And I think like a lot of people sort of enter the industry because it's such a highly publicized industry more so than anything else, sort of with this idea in their head of what they have to be to become a producer, or what they have to be to become an agent. And it's like, if you watch too many episodes of entourage, you think the only way to be a good agent is to scream at an assistant. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think sometimes that happens and people sort of fall into these roles that aren't necessarily the, the only way to handle, you know, being a producer or an agent or a director. But I think Yes, there are, yes, the stereotypes are true and they're hilarious when you come across them because you're like, good God. (laughs) Like, you can't possibly be serious. But then you also come across people who shatter those stereotypes and are so great and gracious and humble and down to earth. And, like, you know, I've had the privilege of working for some, like, really great, nice people who sort of showed that more hopeful, like, wonderful side of the entertainment industry that, you know, I hope to be involved with because as Katie said, we're just starting out. But from our little experience, I would say that's probably our joint answer is yes and no, if that (laughs) is an answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're joined by Katie Corwin and Delaney Buffett of Coffin Watson Pictures. We're talking about a number of things, including their series City of Angles. It's a web comedy series. One of the other episodes is Get the Look, and the character goes into this very chic clothing boutique (laughs) and (laughs) I've been to many of these boutiques where there's a very intimidating feeling in in just in every way but when you look at it it's it's most basic level it's a clothing store (laughs) yeah (laughs) right (laughs) what is it about those boutiques why is it that they're intimidating and do you think that they're trying to create that kind of image for themselves
1: I'm going to let Katie take this one because that whole incident actually happened
2: to her in the store. (laughs) Scene for scene. Scene for scene. All right. First of all, I, I, Do not know why it's so intimidating because it is so true that stores like that, you walk in and you immediately feel less than even though you are there to shop. Like it just doesn't make any sense. You know, you're the clientele, you're the customer and you walk in and like you just want to feel like the popular kids like you. It's just the weirdest thing. But yeah, that episode, that episode's honestly so embarrassing and was the easiest to write because I don't think we changed a single thing. thing. Yeah and it was oh, and it was when Delaney was living in Los Angeles. So when I finally left the store after getting my incredibly undeserved refund, I, you know, the reality <laughs> hit me of like how incredibly embarrassed I was, and I just called Delaney. Actually, in hindsight, I think I was embarrassed, but it hadn't hit me how bad it really was. You and then I you. I called Delaney and was like, "Man, you would like oh, how's your day going? Oh, oh, by the way, guess what just happened?" And I told her the story, and she was like, "Are you joking me? That that was not like way to." bury the lead the first thing out of your mouth wasn't that you just returned pants with your underwear in them like, how did you not think that was headline news but yeah I mean I was definitely intimidated going in there and I was I mean I have not been back and that was a few years ago and the embarrassment remains
0: <laughs> and you decided to share that with the world that's fantastic
2: yeah <laughs> I, I love mean, it for
1: credit I made her that one was painful <laughs>
0: And then there's always a black and white photo, like, right next to the artisan necklaces. And it's of a woman on the beach, and her hands are raised in the air. And there's, like, a quote that says something like, She knew in that moment she had everything within her to be free. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? And, and it's
2: stores like stores always have something like completely oh, yeah. unrelated yeah you also you always see quotes like that underneath a lot of like um instagram celebrities or people like that they'll instagram a photo of themselves in a bikini or getting their makeup done with an inspirational quote like that so completely unrelated <laughs> to the picture that's posted or like you're saying like in a store and it's so funny because i mean it boils down to what they really are selling which is you know why the quotes there but Oh, that always cracks me up. Yeah, like she
1: wanted to, like, what, what is the one? She, no,
2: she thought she, she could, so she did. Yeah.
1: That one. <laughs> <laughs> what? Or like, buying or like shoes. don't be a unicorn. But if you can be a unicorn, be a unicorn. It's what? like, well, you, you can't be a unicorn, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I please get the bag and get out of here?
0: <laughs> well, that brings me to my next point. Uh, social media. You were talking about Instagram, and it's something its just taking over the world. You have an episode of City of Angles called Find Your Dream Job, and two actors, one is a serious actor, and the other one is kind of like a an Instagram celebrity, uh, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. And it's so crazy. I mean, for example, Instagram its so prevalent. Do you think that it's dumbing us down?
1: A hundred percent. Oh yeah, I should have made me check myself before I them. So I check them so confidently because I'm on it every day, looking at it, and I can tell from experience. Like, yeah, I'll. I think. I think it's just perpetuating the whole thing of like we want it now, fast, thirty seconds. Like, make it digestible for ev- for us to take in in ten seconds, mm-hmm. and make it
2: catchy within the first five. Or we're not watching. But more than that, I mean. I think it is dumbing us down, but it's also, and this is so cliche, but it just has to be said, that it takes so much enjoyment out of your actual life. Like you're going to parties to take a photo. If you can't take a photo, you might not go. Like so often you'll see like a beautiful sunset or you're at a concert and everyone has their phone out. To take a photo when the actual thing is right in front of them. And I'm sure I've been guilty of it. There's plenty of sunset photos on my Instagram feed, but like it's just such a weird new chip we all have in our brain that didn't exist before this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And your experiences in the film industry, have you observed a lot of, of that going on where, where like the character, she doesn't really have any skills, but she, she has an Instagram following. She has a, she's, you know, she's Twitter famous or whatever. And she posts lots of provocative photos. Is that a real thing?
1: I mean, we, we sort of stretch the truth. We've, I've never personally experienced it. I've heard of it happening, you know, because like, you know, in fairness, like while it is a creative industry, it is also a business. And Instagram is essentially free marketing. You know, you don't have to have PNA or anything like that. You can have, you know, someone who has a million followers, Instagram out, come see my movie. And then that's free that that comes with the person you hire for the movie. So I definitely think, you know, it's part of definitely a tool that people are using to get the word out about their movies. But ours was sort of word of mouth, very exaggerated on things that we had sort of heard about, but not based on anyone specifically, and sort of on articles that we had read, you know, I know, there was, I think it might have been I forget who it was, an actress was talking about, I want to say, I actually don't want to say because I don't want to be wrong about it, but it was an, an actress who was talking about how she was frustrated that people were getting hired off of their Instagram. I think she definitely has more of an insider's perspective than we do. So that was sort of like an article that we based our knowledge off
2: of. But again... Well, I mean, I, so it's Katie speaking and there have been auditions where you, when you're signing in, you'll say how many followers you have for different social media platforms, which is always a little disheartening, Hmm. but like Delaney said, it's creative, but it is a business. So, you know, I do understand why people are curious about that kind of thing, but it also shouldn't completely discredit different actors and performers that have a big following. It doesn't mean they're not talented. You know, it's just another way to get your foot in the door. So for someone to get an audition because uh, they have some huge following, I mean, they could still be incredibly talented. You know, I don't know. And I also think it's true for other industries. I'm sure if you're working in marketing or fashion, you know, it always helps just come with a huge base of eyes, really. Um, but I think for that episode, I mean, we, we wanted to have fun with it. So we made it pretty extreme and we made the one character who has the big following, you know, not a good actress. So you could really (laughs) see, see what was going on. But I don't think that's necessarily always true.
1: But I mean, that being said, like, you know, like for creative purposes, like it is disheartening definitely to like think that Instagram is that powerful in certain ways, you know, and you can kind of be powerless to it. But I think that, like, there still is a way to sort of, if you don't have a great Instagram following, get the word out or or get in front of people.
0: I wanted to get into this documentary, The Spring. And I was reading in a newspaper article, Delaney, that you have a love of offbeat documentaries.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I do. I, you know, more even so, that's the first one I've done. And I've sort of been trying to find another topic. but I. When I the thing that inspired the spring was I watched this movie called American Juggalo, which is directed by Sean Dunn, who sort of goes into I don't know if you know what the juggalos are. They're like the insane clown posse following. Yeah. <laughs> but his he does this documentary and it's on Vimeo and it's my favorite thing in the entire world because it's just looking at this like subculture of people this following of this band but they all gather in this huge gathering every year and they get dressed up and it's like crazy to see and then you know see all these different people that you definitely wouldn't see walking you know the streets every day but then again you do meet people who are put the makeup on and they're a doctor they're a heart surgeon and I just was fascinated just like going in and you know like examining such like a small group of people with like a strange fascination and you know, I wanted to be able to find something like that. And so my family had told me about the spring and WikiWachi. And I was like, wow, like this is like a little subculture in its own and definitely an offbeat place, you know, roadside attraction that I think would make an incredible story. Um and it seems the people there even just from the website when I, before I even went down were a very interesting group of people and very passionate and you know, they proved to be that when we met them. They, you know, they were everything we hoped and more.
0: So tell us a little bit more about this. It, these are real life mermaids.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they are, it, the park opened in the 1940s and basically it was opened by a former like Navy SEAL. And so originally they were just sort of like synchronized swimmers underwater and then they became mermaids. They have got the tails and it kind of became more of a mermaid looking situation. But I mean, it's been going on since the 40s, but basically every day these women come to work. They perform three shows a day in this underwater auditorium and they have full tails on, full costumes. They do like shows for Halloween and Christmas and they just it's incredible because the underwater auditorium is actually in a natural spring. So they jump in the water in their tails. They go down this tube, and they come out in this underwater auditorium, and they just do synchronized swimming in their tails. So, yeah, they're mermaids, and they'll call themselves mermaids, and they refer to themselves as, like, Mermaid Taylor, or, you know, Mermaid Cheyenne and such. So it's a very interesting place, and it's a very interesting, obviously, like passion and hobby and thing that they do.
0: And so you all traveled down there. Tell us about making this documentary. What was that like?
1: It was a lot of fun. It was basically seven girls. Half of us had gone to college and high school together and had interest in film. And then a couple of our friends just came down to help out. And then we met some awesome female filmmakers from like NYU alum who agreed. Our DP, Francis Chen, was an NYU alum who brought along like a couple other girls down there and we sort of, we all traveled down. We met some came from LA, some came from New York, some came from Miami and we all kind of congregated at the Tampa airport and we drove out in like a 12 passenger van Mm -hmm. to WikiWatch from Tampa and we filmed there for three days and we all did the interviews and I think like with any short film, it's an incredibly collaborative process, you Mm -hmm. know? So everyone gets to ask a question, during the interviews, if they want, you know, like everyone sort of gets a say and everyone's like a filmmaker in their own right. So like it was great to sort of get, you know, like it was my first film I ever directed. So and actually a funny story is we were down there <laughs> and the DP, um, who I'd never worked with before. We- um, <laughs> we're all in the hotel room setting up the camera equipment. And, you know, like, I didn't go to film school, so, like, and I'm super intimidated about going down with all these film school people, and so, you know, I picked up a couple books at the bookstore, and one of them was, like, introductory to directing, and then one was, like, I think directing for dummies, but I could be exaggerating that. (laughs) And none of these girls really knew my experience, and so the DP was, like, who's so talented, was, like, hey, can I get something out of your back, Or, or hey... Do you guys know where the batteries are? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think they might be in a backpack. So she's going around the room, and all of a sudden she pulls the directing for dummies bag out in front of the entire crew, and she goes, whose book is this? And I was like, oh, that's mine. And she was like, okay, okay, Great. great. But, like, it was so fun, and, like, we all got along so well, and it was, like, seven girls in the van shooting today. We had every meal together. We, like, went to the beach. We, like, hung by the pool in our off time, and everyone was working, like, their asses off.
2: So I that was, like, was like the most crew. fun I've ever had on set, but, like, honestly, a fun weekends. And we all met in the airport, you know, with the exception of people, uh, Delaney and I and then one of our friends who had gone to um, college and high school with us. Everyone else met for the first time, and it was just such good luck and, you know, spoke um, to the talent of Delaney and Francis putting a crew together that was able to work so well together.
0: And so when you watch this movie, this, this documentary, The this Spring, What would you say that you learned from this experience?
2: Well, I. this is Katie speaking. Um, So I went down as an associate producer. And then while we all helped compile questions and write questions, I was in charge of basically asking the questions um, on the other side of the camera. And it was a really strange experience as an actor because, I mean, you, you are acting to some degree. Um, but you're not on camera, so you're you're reading with someone and you're trying to connect with them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Because a lot of people, I mean, most people, I feel like who aren't actors aren't really that comfortable having a camera a couple inches from their face while you're asking them, you know, personal questions. So you want to make them comfortable, but you also want to be listening. You don't want to be looking down at your sheet, you know, all these things. And then also different from acting, you don't know what words are going to come next. You know, it's not like you've memorized lines and you're ready to hear what you know is going to come. You really don't know what they're going to say. So it was a really strange experience for me as an actor because I, I wasn't expecting to be so moved when I was talking to all of them and Delaney always jokes with me I, I can be really sensitive and I'll, I'll cry at like a Kleenex commercial or like an Olympics <laughs> commercial just because um I they like really I don't know I, I can be kind of a sap sometimes but I wasn't expecting um to be so moved by speaking to all the mermaids and I really was
0: something that is currently in development I hope you can touch a little bit on this the door It's something I would really like to see. It's a a documentary about the bouncers of New York City nightclubs.
1: Yeah, uh, this is Delaney. So Katie and I kind of, I think, how did that come about again? It was, I read
2: an article. Yeah. It was an article about one of our favorite places to go in the city. And the bouncer, I mean, all of the most famous or most popular clubs, I should say, or even bars in the city, everyone kind of pretends they know the bouncer, making the bouncer kind of their, un, like a celebrity in and of himself. You know, yeah. like everyone's like, oh, you don't know Mark? Like, oh, don't worry, I'll tell him you're coming. You know, everyone wants to seem important. So they a lot of cool New York magazines do articles interviewing each bouncer. And the article is basically saying, you know, how do you, more than a bouncer, a lot of New York City door guys kind of fancy themselves like a curator. Like they decide yeah. who comes in, who, who doesn't come in based on like what kind of crowd they want. They think the owner wants to see that night. So it's not necessarily like we need a room full of really hot girls, although I'm sure that helps. But he was saying like, <laughs> You know, we want some artsy people, some athletic people, some fashion people, some corporate people, like yeah. they want a good mix. And I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting because I think it's also interesting. Yeah. Cause it's
1: like, like anything, I think sometimes someone's work persona can be much different than how they are. Yeah. And, you know, at home, like when I'm working on set, I'm the most like, I could have a heart attack at any moment. Like I literally am so high strung. And so like, I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. Like I Try to joke around, but I'm incredibly serious focused. And, and focused in OCD and having a panic attack inside it. But I'm not that way when I'm home. I am anxious always, but <laughs> but I mean, like I'm I can relax and I can sit and joke and talk, and I'm not thinking about work. And I think, especially for bouncers, like it takes a certain you know like personality and like. To, to be at a door and tell people no and tell people yes. I could, I, if I were a bouncer, I would let every person in the door. I'm such mm-hmm, a pushy. <laughs> I'd be a doormat. I would be like, you're you're in. You know what? You, you know what? You have anymore? Yeah. It's your birthday. Yeah. yeah. Bring 10 people in. So I think it'd be interesting because I've heard, you know, like a lot of doormen are tough and sort of just like, you know, seem like not nice guys, but I'm sure like that's just an assumption we're making when they have like an incredibly difficult job dealing with mm-hmm. like, for the most part, assholes trying to get into a club all week. Yeah like all day, you know, like cutting the lines, being like, I I know so-and-so, or like slipping them money when they don't want the money. I also
2: think it's so funny, like they've probably seen so many people in such like a time of desperation, like the thought of someone trying to impress a group of people or a new date, and there's this (laughs) one gigantic guy literally and figuratively standing in your way from like seeming really impressive. And I just, I would just love to hear the most outrageous things they've even been offered or, or slipped. Yeah, I'm sure it's really yeah. crazy. So we'll put together like a, a really beginner kind of list of who we're, who we're thinking of, but a lot of bouncers will say, well, you know, I'm not sure if my boss wants me to. So it's been a slower process getting an actual list together of people who either want to be on camera or who can be on camera, but we're definitely still working on it because it's something we're both still curious about.
1: Yeah. And, and something too, like, it, it, It takes a while, and I think we don't realize this just in general, to, like, absolutely finish a product. And I think, like, we're still, you know, like, my producer on the spring, my friend Chloe Corner, and I are still sort of, like, dealing with getting it out there and, like, finding a home for it and a website. And, like, even a year and a half later, I think you're still attached to a project and sort of, like, finding out how to, you know, like close that door but in a great way that you can kind of like shut it because i've seen that movie now i think 45 times More <laughs> if i have to see it again it's like every time i notice something i don't like about it um <laughs> and so i think like we would love to do the door and get it going like as soon as we close that door in the spring and are able to give it like full attention it is it's something we would love to do and see ourselves and just to get to do those interviews would be Mm -hmm. such an incredible experience.
2: And I feel like like we went down to do the spring. We initially like before we got there and it was both of our first documentaries and you go down there and you're like, Ooh, I want to do a story about this. Like this is the story I want to tell. And I think we both realized when you get down there and after you meet these people, like they're human beings. So you don't really know what you're going to get. It's not about like, telling a story in a certain way, you literally are asking a question and figuring out what your answer is going to be. So I think for the door, it's like it's something we're curious about and we want to learn more and that's why we want to make the documentary, like to see what answer we get because yeah. we really don't know.
0: So what would you all like to do in the future? Are there any dreams, like some projects that maybe, or a big project that you all can see yourself doing?
1: Um, To be perfectly honest, my dream... <laughs> would be, too, and it's a big dream, and it maybe one day, once upon a time, it would happen, but I think it is to basically have a television show um, and be the creator of a television show and learn how to become a showrunner of a television show and sort of have, like, your own little world of actors you work with. And, like, you know, I see comedians who collaborate and writers who collaborate and are in each other's stuff, and I think that's so awesome because and I have a lot of friends who are writers and actors and to be able to like, you know, eventually cast each other or help each other out with like projects in a scale of a television show would be a dream come true to Mm -hmm. just be able to go to work every day with my best friend and and other friends and create something that we're super passionate about. and We love making Because like even now when we're writing our episodes, like I'm laughing with belly laughing throughout the entire experience. And like the thought of being able to make that into like a 30 minute situation where we get to shoot it somewhere on location with a bunch of people we love. And you know, that to me would be the ultimate dream, I think in terms of long-term goals. Absolutely.
2: Katie, I mean, mine's not much different obviously, (laughs) but I feel like, The idea, I mean, it doesn't even seem, the idea of actually getting to turn it into a real show and making it with Delaney, like, it doesn't doesn't seem like something that could happen, but then you realize, like, no, that really does happen. Like, that's, everyone who has a show, like, that's their dream that came true. And so being able to do that would be so incredible. And then also, like Delaney said, we know so many really, really talented people who are coming up right now as well. And just the idea of being able to, like, put the spotlight on them and just have the whole world see how talented they are, it just makes me so excited.
0: Okay. Now here's a tricky question. I have one for each of you.
2: Oh, no. Uh, Okay.
0: (laughs) This one's for Katie. Okay. How would you define Delaney Buffett?
2: Oh, man. Okay. Can I do individual, like, can I do single (laughs) words or do you want like, um, like sentences?
0: Hey, you're the guest. It's up to you.
2: You're right. Okay. (laughs) Um, I would say that my like favorite word for Delaney, cause we had to do this once. And I think I ended up picking authentic because she's so, so sweet. Like really just always sweet. And never, ever pretends to be anything she's not, whether it's like, like she never pretends to be like really like cool and like on top of it and like better than or Cause I'm not. Or, <laughs> or like, you know, more successful than she is like so many people do in this industry. And she's just always so genuine and people really it's so, so rare. And people really love that about her. I know I do. So I would say authentic. Genuine, but also just hilarious. Like, like just when you think she's going to be, like, really sweet and, like, so simple, she just has the most, like, cunning and hilarious sense of kind of dark humor. So she's a tough one to define, but I think I would group those two things together. I didn't want you to go first, then. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I'm going to ask, right? For Delaney, how would you define Katie Corwin?
1: Um, I would say, I mean... I have so many stories I could just. <laughs> Katie definitely one of the most thoughtful people I, I know and she has this ability to like, she could speak to a wall and that like, she could sit there and engage and genuinely be interested and that's why, you know, like I think she's so great at interviews with people and making them feel comfortable. She could sit and genuinely be interested and ask you about your family and how did your parents meet and, you know, like, how do they meet like like and but then at the same time she has this genuine really like (laughs) sweet way about doing things but then it's like turns into this kind of like twisted but hilarious like sense of humor very quickly like from (laughs) from going to like how did your parents meet to like uh, have you seen your parents kiss in the last five years and you're like whoa where did that (laughs) come from But it's, like, a funny but, like, a great, like, shameless sort of, like, unbounded sense of humor that I don't have because I literally pick and choose every word that comes out of my mouth. And she, when we're writing, has that way of just things come out of her mouth that I'm so quickly that I'm not sure how it's even processing up there. (laughs) And that, like, it's... (laughs) The funniest analogies and like the funniest, most accurate things like we'll be eating at a restaurant and I'm eating something that's like kind of disgusting looking. She'll be like, you know what that looks like? And I'll be like, oh, God. And it'll come out of her mouth. And I'm like, you know what's upsetting? I can't eat this anymore because it's so ridiculously true. The comparison you just made. So I think, you know, like she's so incredibly thoughtful and engaging and sweet and, you know, genuinely cares about her friends and and does stuff like does incredible things for your birthday and remembers things. But like, it's not without this, like the most incredible sense of humor I've ever come across hands down Mm. when writing with her, because there are these, how she makes certain connections in her head to certain jokes is like beyond my, like, I can't even comprehend how it comes out of her head so quickly. And she's always been that way. When we were 10, she was like the queen of comebacks. And I was so jealous because she could like, come back with like a a dag, like a a ding, what do you call it? Zinger? Like a zinger? Yeah. In two seconds, I'd be like, God, how'd you think of that? That's good. (laughs) That's good for a 12-year-old girl.
2: (laughs) But yeah.
0: Well, my last question, the wonderful thing about this digital age that we're in, we can reach people from anywhere. It's just amazing. So very open-ended. What would you all say to our listeners, wherever they might be?
1: about the digital world
0: about anything just a, a totally you have the stage
2: mm. oh wow
1: ah. oh
0: man
2: on
1: the stage. what do you think
2: i feel like it's katie speaking i would say i would say two things one is kind of obvious i think but but whenever you come across it i feel like it just like really brightens your day and that's whenever you find someone who has compassion other people, you know, whether it's, if this is such a stupid example, but I always think it's a small and it always makes me smile when two people walk up to a counter at the same time and someone lets the other person go first. Like something as small as that, I think is so easy to forget when you're in your head and you're late for something and your boss said that and you know you're not paying attention, but just being present and being compassionate towards other people can really brighten someone's day. So I'd always hope people try to take a breath and remember that. And then my other thing would be, and it's what my grandmother would always tell me, it's that when, you know, everyone has to have a job, you know, or I guess not everyone, but most people need to have a job. And when, you know, it's not always what you're passionate about, but if you are lucky enough to know what you're passionate about, you can just carve out the time for that. And whether it's waking up an hour earlier or going to bed an hour later, if you really are disciplined enough and you make the time, you can have room for it in your life.
1: This is Delaney, and I'll go off of that, just saying, you know, I think with our generation and this time, you know, going off the fact that we're all looking to get somewhere so quickly, and I think it's so tough, and I see it from my friends and myself that, you know, I'm 25 years old, and I think, like, a lot of times people our age are like, okay, like, so in a year, like, I could get an Oscar, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, I think everyone's kind of looking for a shortcut and it sort of feels like such a rat race right now in terms of like wanting to get to the finish line as quickly as possible and sort of just missing the entire experience of like growing a career and learning. And I think it's so important for me and for people our age to sort of recognize that things take time and good things take time and that you don't need to rush to success and that it's a combination of hard work and yes, luck sometimes and, but there's no race to get there, and I, I need to remind myself of that constantly every day. But I think it's so important for people working everywhere and anywhere, you know, like it takes time to, to build a business and to build a career and to take that time and not try to take shortcuts just because it might seem like the easy thing to do because, you know... The easiest things like are sometimes you know they're easy for a reason and I think the most fulfilling things is getting something done that's a difficult task that you didn't mm-hmm.
2: think you could get done in the first place. When you finally get there you have the experience and the like <laughs> knowledge to know how to handle things that would come when if you got there too quickly you wouldn't.
1: Yeah so I think it's just you know it's not a race and that you know it's definitely hard seeing all this fast-paced stuff especially with Entertainment and Instagram and everything is so happening so fast and people are skyrocketing the fame and like, reality stars, etc., etc. But like, it's not a bad thing to take the slow route and take your time while working very hard.
0: For more information, you can visit CoffinWatsonPictures.com. Thank you all so very much for spending time.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun to be on here.
0: You all were great.
1: Thank
2: you. Thank that you. was so fun.
0: All right. Well, until next time.
2: <laughs> until next time. time.
0: I'll be watching.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: For more information on the Paul Leslie Hour, you can visit Paulleslie.com. Thanks again to our special guests, Delaney Buffett and Katie Corwin. You can visit them online at coffinwatsonpictures.com and their web comedy series, City of Angles, is on Vimeo and YouTube. It would mean a lot to me if you would subscribe to this podcast, and if you haven't done so already, review and rate it. If there's a friend of yours that you think would enjoy this show, by all means let them know. You can also call in and leave a message, if I think what you have to say might be of interest to the listeners, I may play it back on the show. I may play it back on the show. 912-376-9529. Until next time.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's performance. We would like to ask you, before leaving the theater, to look under your
0: seats for any personal items that might have fallen during the show. Thank you. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. Recorded, engineered, and mixed by Henry Jordan of Jordan Digital Studios. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.